0: Seven six five zero one. Get ready, Monster Truck fans. July 25th and 26th, Aloha Stadium will explode as First Hawaiian Bank presents the Monster X World Finals. Monster Trucks Freestyle MX and Bull Riding at both big shows. VIP tickets available at MonsterX2.com, the stadium box office, and Ticketmaster.com. All tickets from the rescheduled shows will be honored for these two big shows. July 25th and 26th, the Monster X World Finals. Aloha Stadium
1: will never be the same again. 94 7 Kumu, keeping you moving with this traffic update. One new accident. It's out in the Barbers Point area on Enterprise Street between Saratoga and Roosevelt. Driving times are good from the west side. From Waianae Mall to downtown Honolulu, it's 35 minutes. From the water park to downtown, it's 20. From meheula Parkway and Mililani to downtown, it's a 17 minute ride. 94.7 Kumu. Proud to be Hawaii-owned and operated. A service of Pacific Media Group. It's your, it's your Rise and Drive Morning Show. 24 7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu
2: cares. We have on the phone uh, a woman from Hawaii who is now a doctor in New York, where it is the epicenter of the COVID 19 pandemic uh, for the U.S. Right now on the phone, we welcome Dr. Lena Miyakawa. She is pulmonary and critical care physician and deputy medical ICU director at Mount Sinai Beth Israel. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Thanks for having me. Nice Thank to see everybody or hear everyone's voice. <laughs> Thank you for making the time. We really appreciate it. We wanted to get your um your insights cuz you are on the like the front line, front line in New York and we see so much going on over there, but before we get started with that, we got to do the thing that local people always do when they meet local people for the first time because you're over there in New York, so like people go, oh, so what high school you in? Where are you, f- that. Where you from? Were you in grad? Yeah, were you in grad? <laughs> yeah, were you in grad?
0: <laughs> right? So I- I'm glad we're doing this. I've missed this. Um, I went to Ponahoe School. All right. I graduated in 2004. Hey. Um, I actually, yeah. <laughs> I went um, away for college, but I came back for medical school. I went to UH, uh Jabsum. All, all right, mid school here, twelve there.
2: All right, all right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So now, art
0: is still in Hawaii.
2: Oh yay! Thank you, thank you. So how yeah. did you end up over Definitely. there now though? So you're doing medicine in New York now. How did you end up over there?
0: So I did my fellowship training, my pulmonary and critical care fellowship training, out in New York, and I stayed where I did my training. I really like the people I worked here. My team is awesome, and. Actually, my sister lives out here now, too, and hmm. so she just is graduating college from Columbia this year. Uh, they won't have a graduation, but uh, so there's, there's two of us here. Oh, okay. I stayed to kind of hang out with her, and then also I wanted to learn more. Uh, you know, training is a long time. It's over 10 years, but mm-hmm. I think there's you know, more to learn from your mentors, so that's why I'm still here.
2: Yeah. Oh. Wow. Okay. All right. So it, the reason we wanted to talk with you is that you know, being that you are you know someone from Hawaii, now you're working on the front line of this medical crisis in New York. Um, I before we start talking, I just want to kind of set the scene because I'm looking at a news story right now that says as of just a couple of days ago, New York State had sixty thousand cases of COVID nineteen, about thirty four thousand people sick just in New York City, uh, six thousand six hundred people hospitalized about 1500 of them are in intensive care uh, Queens and Brooklyn are hit the hardest 776 city residents died from complications from the respiratory illness and um, uh, uh, just the hospital's just maxing out I guess um, uh, what are so we wanted to know what what are you seeing over there like what are you experiencing there?
0: Totally those numbers really kind of paint a picture doesn't it mm-hmm. I it's it is really like war over here i think i keep saying this because every single day we go into work and it's something completely different from what we're used to Mm -hmm. um the numbers and just the scale of what we're seeing things is just through the charts so this started about six weeks ago for me Mm -hmm. i'm sure the the patients prior to that we may have had a couple we don't know but the first known case in our hospital was out uh is the second week of March is what I saw. And from then on, we've had to open five new ICUs We've expanded our ICU bed numbers four Whoa. times over just in our hospital. Um, I've helped kind of open all these new units, had to try to uh, fit patients where they can um, and manage them. Try to, uh, I guess the biggest thing is the ventilators. I think mm. we were running short and we were trying to have to I guess, make new ventilators from uh, makeshift ventilators that we didn't have. And so we had to source them from outside the hospital. We've had to um, make these CPAP machines, essentially these machines that people take home with them Mm -hmm. um, for obstructive sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. We've had to kind of jerry-rig them to be ventilators. Oh, gosh. So we've been... Yeah, we've been very creative in our ways of trying to uh, help the community and you know make sure that we don't run short of mm-hmm. uh, resources. But it's been difficult for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Are are you sleeping? <laughs> I, I, we read stories sometimes about some of these healthcare workers on the front lines there in New York who are just—it's just so stressful.
0: It is. I think, you know, critical care physicians, we deal with this type of um, disease, not just not this disease, but respiratory illness a lot. And, mm-hmm. and we deal with death a lot. So it is in our everyday work. But it's just like I said earlier, the scale's different. Mm. And we used to do these like seven day stretches where it was like 80 to 100 hour weeks. But now our leadership has been amazing. My my direct boss or my actual ICU director, she immediately after the first week realized that there was no way that we could keep up our old schedule. So we quickly switched to a new schedule where it was mostly shift work where we'd be on three days and off four days or three days and, you know, back again. And mm-hmm. so I am able to sleep during those time, uh, those days off. Okay. But I think, you know, what's what's keeping me going is doing stuff like this, talking to the public, making sure that, you know, people are able to see what I see so that, you know, making sure the right information is out there. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to kind of rest when I can, of course, because that's really important right now. But Mm -hmm. I think it's also important to kind of um balance all of that yeah well, yeah speaking of, so yes i'm sleeping <laughs> yeah.
1: speaking of getting the right information out is there anything that you want to make sure that we dispel right away that people are thinking because you know uh, over the last couple of days we've been getting mixed signals about okay we're opening this area we're opening this state okay we're not opening over here and even here in hawaii yeah. it was okay we're going to close down the beaches and everything else entirely okay wait no now we're going to open up the beaches so that you can exercise. Okay, everybody has to wear a mask, but wait, maybe you can't get a mask. You know what I'm saying? So um, just to help people understand exactly um, why they need to wear a mask, uh, why this thing is more dangerous um, once you get sick with it than somebody who's walking around with the flu.
2: Maybe as part of that, if I can jump onto that question Mm -hmm. also, and if you can maybe, because we are a... Um, uh, an auditory medium, if you can kind of paint the picture of what it is really like to have COVID-19. Mm. You you are one of the few people we've got talked to, talk to uh, who's been face-to-face with these patients. And and there's so much, as Devin was mentioning, so much misinformation out there about what COVID-19 is like. People are like, ah, it's just like a cold. It's just like a ah, simple flu or whatever. Can you help us understand that?
0: Sure, Um just to start off with maybe your question first, because I can paint that picture mm-hmm. and then maybe talk about why it's so important to, with social distancing, yes. flattening the curve, all those things that the media talks about. Mm-hmm. So what I'm seeing on a day-to-day basis is mostly patients that are elderly. Um, what that means is patients that are between the ages of 60 and 80, um, mm-hmm. even up to 90, that are very, extremely, extremely ill. But that doesn't mean that I don't have the... 30, 40, 50-year-olds that are also ill with no medical problems. Mm -hmm. And I think I always want to say that because I think you're lower risk if you're younger, but that doesn't mean zero risk. Mm -hmm. And so we've had patients die that are younger. And so that's kind of the age range I'm seeing. What they look like. So when they first come into the hospital, they are coming with, let's say, a fever, a cough, some shortness of breath, maybe some diarrhea. About 10% of these patients have some GI illness, mm. and then they get admitted if their oxygen levels are too low and they can't go home.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: Most of the time we recommend that people, if they can handle these, this disease at home, that most of the time you should stay home and you should quarantine yourself. You shouldn't be uh, nearing other people. Well, mm-hmm. if they get admitted to the hospital, then they usually go, they, we, we decide, the emergency room decides if they need to go to a medical floor, which they can get oxygen, some monitoring, or they come to us with ICU. If they go to the medical floor and they need some oxygen, they get a nasal cannula, which is essentially these nasal prongs that sit inside your mouth, uh, inside your nose, sorry, mm-hmm. and then get hooked up to the wall oxygen. They sit there and get, you know, supportive care. What that means is there's no medication out there that there's no magic pill that cures all of this. Indeed. You have heard about, heard about, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so there's all these different experimental drugs out there that people talk about, hydroxychloroquine, remdesivir, cerulamab, mm-hmm. and I've used all these drugs. Um, And, you know, more data is coming out, but really the mainstay of treatment is supportive care. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting all of these things and we don't know still, a lot of this is unknown, even to us and even to experts, that who's going to get worse and who's going to get better. And some of these patients that get worse, a lot of them get worse very quickly. So we see in the, you know, three to four day range. After they come in, all of a sudden, they're significantly worse. So they go from, you know, just requiring the nasal prong oxygen, all of a sudden to needing what we call intubation, which is Mm -hmm. a tube that goes down someone's mouth and gets hooked up to a life support machine, which is a mechanical ventilator. And so with that, they have to be on heavy sedation, um, Mm -hmm. sometimes paralyzed even. Uh, We sometimes do these things called proning, which is essentially we flip these patients over onto their stomachs. That helps to kind of recruit the lung, um, parts of the lung that aren't working as well. We try to recruit that to Mm -hmm. uh, increase your oxygen. So all these different things to supportively treat the patient. So Mm -hmm. once they get so much worse and they have to be on a life support machine, they come to us in ICU. um, And at that point, they can't talk. They don't know where they are. Um, their families, most you know, they, none of them can see these patients that come into the hospital, so um, except for via FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So that's the sad part of all of this. Um, and then we see, we wait to see how they do, and that waiting period we're still in. There's a lot of patients still on ventilators that mm-hmm. cannot come off, um, that are either dying um, or have died, or may be slightly recovering, but with drawbacks and setbacks as we go along.
2: Wow, that's wild.
0: So that's where I am. And I think I want to highlight the part that I feel the most uh, distressed over is that I'm not able to see the family members. And normally in ICUs, most patients you know, are extremely ill. And so mm-hmm. I may not be able to connect with them, but I'm able to connect with the family members and loved ones at the bedside. And I'm not able to do that right now. And so mm-hmm. I struggle mm-hmm. with that. And I think... Um, I try to make the phone calls, the the you know the Zoom inter- uh, the Zoom, <laughs> um, Zoom calls, right? FaceTime, all these different things. Yeah, yeah. Zoom calls, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I try to connect with them that way. But it's 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 different, right? Mm-hmm. You can't hug them, you can't shake them their hand. You they don't bring in the photos of, of their loved ones, you know, when they were twenty years old riding a bicycle or something. And these are all you know things that I used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where everybody is um and so i think with that in mind there's a lot of people out there um that are younger that may have had the disease may not have had disease we don't know that may be asymptomatic carriers Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the problem with this disease is that about um two to three days prior to getting the disease uh you don't have any symptoms Mm -hmm. and so you can be walking around uh, being a, quote, asymptomatic carrier, and you could be spreading the disease. So I think in the very beginning, I would say about two months ago, when we were all talking about, you know, should, we, should the public be wearing masks or should they not be? A lot of people, you know, and I was one of them saying, if you wear the mask the wrong way and, you know, someone coughs on you and you touch the outside of the mask and you don't wash your hands and then touch your face, you could infect yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think we're past that point now. And I think we have to be able to protect the public and protect yourself and protect your, you know, your elderly and your loved ones by wearing masks so that you don't spread the disease when you're an asymptomatic carrier. And I think that's why the masks are important, so that when you're sneezing or coughing or talking and spreading these droplets, um, you're at least trying to contain all of that around mm-hmm. your face.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, really so important. I think really
0: that's important.
2: the mask part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: 94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu Cares. We are doing our Kumu Kokua segment with Dr. Lena Miyakawa. She is a pulmonary and critical care physician and deputy medical ICU director at Mount Sinai over in New York, but also whole grad, Hawaii and, girl, <laughs> Hawaii girl. UH, UH John, UH, UH <laughs> University of Hawaii Johnny Burns School of Medicine grad. So thank you for continuing to spend time with us, Dr. Yeah. Miyakawa.
1: And just in case everybody's going, okay, pulmonary and then intensive care. Okay, so what 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 does all that mean?
0: <laughs> so pulmonary means lungs. Uh, intensive care unit means uh, I'm in the one of the. Most hard hit places in the hospital, us in the emergency room, we're dealing with the most highest uh, cases of COVID-19 in New York City.
2: Mm, Wow. You know, Mm. early (laughs) on and and so the difficulty, I think, in people trying to wrap their heads around how, you know, if they don't live in New York... Like you live here in Hawaii, you know, so many thousands of miles away. I think people have a hard time wrapping their head around how bad it could get. We've been really lucky here, you know, so isolated from, uh, you know, most of the country. And uh, but it's it's bad there. Earlier we were talking about the th- tens of thousands of cases there in New York. Um we were starting to talk about some of the myths out there that are bugging doctors um, about COVID nineteen, how contagious it is or isn't, what kinds of drugs are useful or not useful, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk about the myths that are that let you just wish would go away about COVID nineteen?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I've heard all kinds of weird things. And, you know, the Internet age is such a weird thing to have during such an epidemic like this, Mm -hmm. right? Because you see all these memes and all these things on social media that uh, people are talking about, you know, how hot water is just going to kill this disease. This this is just like the common cold. It's not, you know, a virus or, you know, some random lab cooked this up and it's not a real thing. Mm -hmm. And people are not actually dying from this or that this isn't as dead you know the flu is more deadly has killed more patients than coronavirus those are all not true mm. um, you can't microwave a mask you can't kill this with hot water you can't uh, blow dry the virus out of your nose
1: um, <laughs> <Ooh>. wow, <laughs> no, uh, okay. none of
0: these things are real <laughs> um, so yeah <laughs> those are some of the things I've heard but okay
2: (laughs) okay okay how about you know can you also address like some of the things so you know it's been difficult for i think media to accurately show the full extent of of the outbreak in new york because you know most icus most critical care situations a a camera would not be allowed so people are not having like a full sense of that so but we are hearing like you know verbal reports about things like patients in hallways and and tents set up in fields and things like that are these the things that you have witnessed in in new york New York?
0: Absolutely. Um, I think earlier I was saying that this is like a war zone Mm -hmm. and there are tents attached to almost every hospital, every major hospital. We have tents outside of my hospital, uh, triaging patients, testing patients so that they don't have to come into the hospital itself. Uh, We also have medical tents set up in Central Park that are treating patients um, like a war zone we do have patients uh in hallways not so much anymore but th- since we've passed our peak mm-hmm. we hope uh staying optimistic here but uh before the peak definitely there were we've had to open up new ICUs every couple days and i think that kind of burst of our regular r- routine has been pretty apparent
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dr Mikhail, um i was just curious to are there theories as to why this got so bad in New York so quickly? I mean, besides the fact that there's so many more people in New York, um, but, you know, a lot of states, a lot of the rural states are like, well, this isn't New York. Well, this isn't New York. It's, no, that's it. They're thinking that the populace is the reason why it got so bad. But uh, are there other theories that are out there?
0: Um, I've met a few I I wouldn't presume to be in any like epidemiologist or anything like that right. but I think my personal thought is that New York obviously is a place where there's so many big airports right and people mm-hmm. coming in and out and traveling and um, you know we had a lot of people coming back from Europe or going to Europe and I think that definitely played a big part of this and I think New York, New Yorkers, we live in these tiny little apartments we are talking about earlier, and um, people are always outside and interacting. We have, you know, very vigorous and, you know, uh, populated Mm -hmm. areas like subways and buses. And so we're a very close uh, city. And so if one, as we've seen, if one person is able to spread it to, you know, two or more people. If you're in one subway car, that's a lot more people being infected on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute basis. Mm-hmm. So it can spread very quickly, yeah. like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I heard Governor Cuomo. honestly.
2: Yeah, yeah, Governor Cuomo. I heard him talking about yesterday uh, about how it's almost impossible in a regular situation in New York to have social distancing because Mm -hmm. everybody is so close together on the subway, on the sidewalks, in the restaurants, etc. So that that definitely would play a role. The other thing I was thinking about is that, um, and and uh, Dr. Miyakawa, maybe you can address this. Is that is the fact that New York is such an international hub, Mm -hmm. and that would serve as a cautionary tale for cautionary tale for Hawaii because. We're an international hub here, and um, and I'm thinking, you know, shouldn't Hawaii people be looking at New York and going, "Wow, that could totally happen here."
0: I think so. I think from the very beginning, I've been very uh, vocal up to Hawaii about my thoughts about how Hawaii could be the next area that looks like this mm. and it's not I, I worry because one like you said the international hub we have uh, people come from japan from china to hawaii all the time right mm-hmm. um and this kind of new york is right next to europe uh hawaii is right next to asia mm-hmm. and so i think that kind of the floodgates could totally open And the other thing i'm worried about hawaii is you know new york we are attached to uh, the mainland um there is a lot of help that can come pretty readily uh, and new york city is a big you know metropolitan city and hawaii is in the middle of the ocean and even though we have a lot of military support that the support that could get there you know quickly is not as quick as we could have even gotten it in new york and so i worry if Things were to go haywire in Hawaii, I don't know if we can get all the support that we need. Mm. and I say we because we're all in this together, and I think you know, I want to make sure that you know I live in New York, but my heart's in Hawaii, and I just want to make sure my friends and family back home are safe with all of this.
1: right, yeah, we were talking about your uh, your parents and the fact that you're you're dealing with the same problem that we have, which is our parents are like, nah, I don't have to stay home <laughs> 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 like, no mom dad just stay home I'll, I'll have food delivered to you just stay where you are please <laughs> so yeah 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 totally, so it's, it's
0: totally. nice
1: to know that even a doctor in New York is having issues with trying to get her parents to stay home <laughs>
2: Absolutely, when you want them true. to stay home. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, it's so true. Yeah. No. Absolutely, Dr. Miyakawa. How can folks? Uh, so here in Hawaii now, you know, what can? What kind of advice would you give people who are thinking about how can they support our healthcare workers like you who are on the front lines? And uh, you know, uh, what can they do to uh, lend the most effective support? Because you guys are doing so much.
0: I think we are doing our best to treat the sick and protect their dignity um, pretty much at the end of their lives. But we don't want people to get there. And I think I keep getting a lot of you know support from my friends and even people I don't even know asking me what they can do. And I've always told them one thing. We can't really prevent people from getting sick, but the public can by staying home and by doing social distancing. And by getting cabin fever or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> try to, to stay emotionally and psychologically healthy at home is really the main thing here. And um, you know, we're doing our best as healthcare workers to try to treat people once they get sick, but we can try to uh, curve this and flatten the curve by actually staying home. I think that's really the main issue mm, here and the mm-hmm. main message. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing about like here
2: in Hawaii, you know, just, for Honolulu, we, uh, Mayor Kirk Caldwell just extended the stay-at-home orders to the end of May saying that we need to have more testing, more, you know, aggressive testing and a faster turnaround in order to be able to keep track of COVID-19 cases. So I'm uh, I'm imagining you would agree with that, that we need to, everybody's staying home for now until we have that in place. Uh, Is that something that you would support?
0: Absolutely. I would say, please do your part by staying apart. I think that's really the main message here.
2: Oh, she made a nice slogan there. <laughs> I know, right? We should put <laughs> that did. on a shirt for her. That's kind of cool. Do
0: your part by staying actually, apart. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's that's easy to
0: remember. I've seen it around New York and I like it. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice.
1: For sure, for sure. Dr. McCall, also, I noticed too that um, your your ties to uh, Hawaii uh, are, are super strong. I mean, not just because your family was here, but because you went to Punahou. Uh, so, I Notice you also did a podcast with them uh, talking about I COVID-19 did. and your own personal experiences and stuff like that. Um, so did they reach out to you and you said, you know what, I, I need to volunteer this information?
0: They did. Um, so the man behind the podcast, uh, Alan Murabayashi, he is a close friend of mine and he went to Pono also and he lives in New York. Um, he's currently in Hawaii, but he reached out to me with Diane CO CEO and they decided that, you know, they wanted to talk to a few people on the front lines. And so I wanted to make sure that I took the time to kind of share my personal experience. Like I am doing now um, to kind of tell the public really main, mainly the people in Hawaii, what I was able to see. And that was a pretty early on podcast. So I'd have to like go back and listen to it because <laughs> I'm sure a lot of things have changed now, mm. <laughs> but um <laughs> But I think the main message back then was still kind of please, you know, uh, help us by kind of staying home. And so I think that message hasn't changed.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Stay, what is, say,
2: say the slogan one more time. Stay. <laughs> do your part. Please do your part
0: by staying apart.
2: That's what it was. Ah, that
1: is so smooth. <laughs> I like it. I like We're gonna, you guys
2: like cool. that.
0: I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: We're going to say cool. that
2: over and over. <laughs> cool. All right.
0: Uh, Dr. Miyakawa, was
2: there anything else that you wanted to add? It's been so valuable to hear your perspective from that side.
0: No, I think, you know, this has been really wonderful to be able to uh, speak to my own community back home. You know, I didn't do all this training and go through all this um, to not be able to help out my own friends and family back home. And so I think it's really wonderful that I'm able to do some of this stuff um, Um. for Hawaii. And, you know, I really hope that Hawaii doesn't have to deal with the um, magnitude of things that we're seeing here in New York. Um, And hopefully I get to you know, visit home one day again and. Oh, uh, be
1: able to meet all these people. I've made connections with. Yeah. yeah. Plus, a, yeah. plus we we'll get to we we'll get to feed you Helena's collar or something. That'll be really good. <laughs>
0: oh man! Uh, that's know not not right now. <laughs> uh, you know what
1: I'm saying You know, one other quick thing that I, that I meant to ask you. Um, there's been a lot of questions about PPEs, the personal protection mm-hmm. uh, stuff, um, and uh, states being able to get what they need. Is that still an issue in in New York? Uh, I know the Governor Cuomo has has said kind of over and over again, dude. Help us. I mean, not like that, but you know, in his New York way. Pretty close to it. But pretty (laughs) much saying, you know, we we are we are fighting each other for for these items. Is is there this shortage that that they keep talking about? Is this actually happening for you guys on a daily basis as well?
0: So I've been very blessed to be part of a a big healthcare system, um, Sinai, and they have been able to source a lot of ppe for us so, so i've never felt that i've had the lack of uh, ppe mm-hmm. in our system however i know that smaller hospitals and smaller community hospitals are not are are seeing that kind of mm. shortage and are feeling like they aren't protected and so i know that there is that kind of shortage kind of all throughout but i personally have not had to feel that way which oh, is good you know a, Really great to say. Yeah. I think. Well,
1: can you can you get into that a little bit? Because I think people sometimes don't understand that as well. That there's there's larger whole uh, hospital systems, smaller hospitals, and that you know, depending on their size, uh, that depends on, I guess, uh, what they can get. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, totally. So you know, in New York City, we there's a lot of different healthcare systems that have combined and have bought out smaller hospitals. Um, and some of the big ones are Presbyterian, Sinai, NYU. And uh, let's talk about Sinai, for example, since that's the system that I'm part of. We have four different uh, big hospitals in Manhattan, so New York City alone. And then we have one in Queens, Brooklyn, Long Island, South Nassau. And those are also big hospitals, but they're in the outer boroughs, meaning the different um, New York boroughs. So... That's within a big system, so they can tap into the uh, system, I guess, equipment and, you know, uh, things that we can kind of draw from. And because we're part of a big system that we have ties, let's say in China, for example, or uh, Japan, that we can ask for more help and more PPE or more medical supplies.
1: Mm.
0: So it's just, you know, a bigger system, knowing more people, you know, having all these connections and just having a bigger kind of platform to be able to shout from. Mm -hmm. And I think that's different from a smaller community hospital that's not attached to a big health system um, that's kind of out in, let's say, you know, the outskirts of Long Island uh, near the Hamptons, let's say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're still seeing the same kind of patients. They're still seeing the uptick of uh, patients and how sick they are but they're not able to tap into this kind of pool that I can
2: mm. or we can. Which goes right back to that point that you were making earlier about worrying about Hawaii, and should things get really bad here, it would be harder to tap into a supply chain mm-hmm. to get the help than, and the supplies that we need.
0: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And we've been very lucky. You know. I think Governor Cuomo has been amazing. You know, we're New York strong. We're going to get through this, and you know, we're, we're New York tough. We've seen through, you know, gone through so much stuff, and we're able to get through this. And we've had a lot of military help, actually. Some of the hospitals have had the Navy come by, the Army come by, and um, and that's been amazing. Uh, and I know that Hawaii has a lot of uh, military backup, uh, but I think it's also a distance thing. You know, it's it's a pro and con, right? We're we're far far away from the mainland, and so you'd have to travel there to get the disease there. But now that the disease is there, you'd have to also travel that same distance to get all the supplies there.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Definitely a cautionary tale there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, Absolutely. Thank you, Doctor Miacal. We appreciate you being with us. This is really cool. <laughs>
0: thank
1: you. Uh, we'd love to invite you yeah, back on uh, any cool. any time. You wanna uh, stop by and, and let us know what's going on because I think, um, you know, I, for me personally, uh, um, <laughs> I, I've been going off of Governor Cuomo stuff. Uh huh. I've been going off of Chris Cuomo stuff. Uh, finding out, you know, what what they've been going through and stuff, which has been awesome because you get to see the brotherly interaction. (laughs) But also because Chris Cuomo actually got COVID-19 and now his wife has it, his son has it, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh. they, They were sort of a microcosm for what life would be like if our own families were to, you know, somebody in our family were to contract this thing because his wife did everything she could. She wore masks, she wore gloves, she, you know, they, they did everything. They isolated, could, they, yeah, they, isolated mm-hmm. they did everything the correct way and she still got it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that freaks yeah, me out. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. it's, it totally freaks us out. I yeah. think, you know, recently I treated a couple um, in the hospital and they were both in the same room because they both had COVID. And we tried to cohort these patients out as much as possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they kept each other company. It was really sweet. And they were Sorry. actually elderly. And um, they were in their 70s. I think the husband was in, their eight, uh, when his, in his 80s. Wow. And they actually made it through, which oh, was amazing. Nice. They, uh, you know, all of us were having these very difficult conversations with these patients and their loved ones pretty early on just because we know that with elderly patients their mortality rate is just so high mm-hmm. i think you know we recently had a paper come out uh in long island that you know the mortality rate in new york has been close to 80 percent which is a super high number wow. once you're admitted to the hospital
2: oh, that is
0: a very very high number mm-hmm. and so you know i think having these difficult conversations about you know what the end may look like being able to protect uh someone's dignity at the end of their life, things like that. I um, I had that conversation with them and they both decided that they never want to be on a life support machine, that they don't, they can't see themselves trying to survive through this on a machine. They wanted to spend the rest of their, you know, their lives, if it was, you know, even if it was numbered together yeah. in a room without the machine.
2: Wow. Um, mm-hmm.
0: So happy end. Yeah. Happy ending. They both walked out of the hospital, but... Not a happy ending for another couple I took care of. Uh, oh. They both died within days of each other. Oh, gosh. Uh, my gosh. And, oh, gosh. Yeah, and they're both in a um, a truck outside of the hospital because our morgues are so full Oh golly. right oh. now. And yeah. so we have these um, trucks that are our makeshift morgues where mm-hmm. we uh, keep... Um, are deceased, yeah, are thousand, because there are thousands of them. Yes, yeah yes, mm-hmm. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think you know, at least we keep uh, we get to keep them together, and we're keeping track of those things, types of things. But yeah. I think they're all waiting for funeral homes to take them. So there's a lot of different parts, moving parts, of all of this. You know, yeah. happy and sad. I think it's hard to see all the positive things and all this, but you know, I think there is a lot of positive, and so we, you know, try to concentrate on those things.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for helping us to understand the situation in New York a little bit better, because again, that is the epicenter of uh, what's happening with COVID-19 in the United States. And you know what it occurs to me just now? You know, earlier in our show, we were talking about how our parents are not listening. (laughs) A lot of people's parents are not listening (laughs) to instructions, And, and so earlier we were sharing advice from the experts saying that sometimes um, it's not as grown children trying to advise our parents. Sometimes our parents don't want to hear it. And so uh, they were suggesting that maybe you should have a, a pastor or a doctor, <coughs> a doctor, <laughs> advise our parents. So hopefully more parents are listening to you, doctor, while you're talking on the on the air with us. And, uh, you know, we'll understand that the situation is really serious.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I am... We're very happy to talk more with you guys whenever you guys need us to kind okay. of keep spreading the word.
2: Thank you. So. Thank you. I'm going to hook you with my mom <laughs> <Of> now. <course>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I just, give talk me a to number. We'll give give the number. I'll give her a ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look who we found. So. I'm going
2: to sit Dr. Miyakawa on my mom and
1: Devin's and mom. Got you got to go. stay
2: home. Yes,
1: yes. No Just doubt. Kidding. No doubt. We're
2: kidding around. But thank you so much, Dr. Miyakawa. This has been so educational, so helpful. And uh, we really appreciate your being on our Kumukukua segment today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, you guys. It's been wonderful.